So we have the pleasure of welcoming Paul Colmer to our interview series. I'm Vanessa Rose from the Engati team. Let's begin with just a quick introduction of Engati. Engati is the world's leading no-code multilingual chatbot platform, available across 14 channels with 25,000 bots created across 186 countries in every domain and use case. We run the Engati blog and the video channel, which receives upwards of 300,000 annual visitors. And now for our guest, Paul Colmer is an engaging digital architect, coach, and a trainer working for ALC Education and Consulting. He's a certified trainer with an open group, DevOps Institute, and APMG. He's also among the top 100 Cloud Global Power 1000 influencers. He's an adept and compelling award-winning open mic comedian, an accomplished jazz pianist, and loves empowering people through stories. Welcome, Paul. We are thrilled to have you. Thank you so much. What a fantastic introduction. And welcome. Um, and thank you so much for, for interviewing me today. And thank you so much to your audience for listening. So let's get started. So, Paul, how do you see emerging tech like AI and automation in the corporate space going to change the way we, we view our work and relationships in the future? Oh, that's a great question. So I think with automation and AI, um, they're vectors really for improving uh, the way we do things. So particularly customer experience, I think. Um, so there are lots of examples of uh, waste that we see in companies. Um, people spending a lot of time on email, people spending uh, a lot of time in meetings. I think automation and AI provide us with a um, effectively a mechanism by which we can streamline those things. So we're already seeing this with, with COVID-19. You know, we're seeing more efficient ways of collaborating, for example, um, potentially the use of technology. Um, the big thing about automation is it allows us then to um, offload those manual tasks that a human might normally do um, to a computer. And the great thing about that is it means all the boring parts of our job, hopefully, in the next five or 10 years will become automated, right? So um, it means those parts, like for example, as a trainer, one thing I have to do is I create PowerPoint presentations. And already there are automation now at PowerPoint to streamline that for me. Um, so I don't have to worry so much now about how the presentation looks. And it can focus more on the content. So there's AI now in PowerPoint that does something called design recommendations, um, which is a really cool feature. So that's one, one example. We're seeing a lot, lot more tools now coming onto the market that are really tailored to non-technical people. So I think the next five or 10 years, we'll start to see non-technical people adopting those automation strategies. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to really change the way we do things and really make business a lot more efficient and improve customer service and customer experience at the end of the day. So I'm really excited by that. So you spoke about COVID-19, right? So what do you think, um, what part do you think AI will play in this time, in the ongoing pandemic? And what impact yeah. do you think it will have over businesses all over the world? Yeah, so um, well, well, already we're seeing with COVID-19, the initial impact is that there's a lot more people working from home, um, a lot more people being forced to now think about how do I interact and how do I collaborate with customers? How do I collaborate with partners uh, remotely? Um, so before I became a trainer, I worked for DXC Technology. And for a vast amount of my time, um, I, I was managing a virtual team, um, usually for a client, um, usually across Australia, UK, US resources. 
Um, and so with the technology company, we have the technology and the infrastructure to be able to do that remotely. And I have the, the personal tools as well. Unfortunately, with COVID-19, we saw that many companies, they might even have the tools, they might have Zoom, they might have uh, Teams, for example. Office 365 Teams is probably one of the most common platforms that we see in corporations. But what people are lacking are the mental tools to be able to get the most out of their individuals. And I think for me, that's the, the, big, the big learning. Where AI, again, comes in is how do we automate some of the um, the mundane components of that tooling. So not just the technology, but also the, the human side of things. You know, is there a way, for example, we can um, automate scheduling of meetings? So currently, you know, you do this manually. There are lots of uh, cloud computing tools out there now that you can send a link to somebody and they can select their own time slot, for example, and make that engagement a lot more uh, compelling. And uh, uh, it works then for both parties. Um, so I think that's the probably the short answer of where I see things going sort of in the short term. But for me personally, COVID-19, it, it's a it's a disaster, right? It's terrible. It's a really bad thing for, for us to happen to all of us. But in some ways, we needed this. Humans never do anything unless there's a compelling reason to do something. And so COVID-19, if you like, is the latest digital disruption to force people to think about how do we collaborate and how do we do that remotely. So you're saying it's a good reason to adopt tech? Absolutely. I think it's a good reason to um, look at the way we use technology. And, you know, we, we often do things face to face is the most efficient way. Of, for example, talking to someone going into the office. So travel time to the office, sitting down with somebody, um, having a coffee. Sure. Absolutely necessary in, in a normal world. But are there times when we can do that remotely? And is that a better way of interacting? In other words, why don't we think about how we interact with people and understand whether technology has a role to play there, whether it adds value. Clearly in COVID-19, we've been forced to do that. Uh, but I think a lot of companies have defaulted to let's go and talk to each other, let's go and interact. And I think there's definitely an alternative solution there to look at. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of stand-up comedy and now we're talking about how do we do comedy without an audience. It's really, really, really interesting some of the conversations I'm being involved in. So all businesses may not be, you know, doing well because of this yeah the, the, I, I think, yeah i think the challenge um that businesses have is that you know they're being forced to adapt and uh, for a lot of smaller companies it can be really challenging um so me i'm a face-to-face -face trainer i'm not afraid to admit that my work has gone from being very very busy to being extremely quiet you know for the last two or three weeks um that there's not been a huge amount of work um, and trying to move into virtual training, although I have the skills, many clients aren't willing to sort of move into that into that into that mode. So it's it's really interesting to see what we what's happening. Um, but I do feel for people that are forced to adapt. It's very very hard. So um, you know, if anyone wants to reach out to me on techniques on how to help with some of that, I'm more than happy to talk to them. So it's good. So which technology do you think plays a major role in business transformation cycle for an organisation? That's a good question. So. I don't think there's a single technology that really can um, be that silver bullet, so to speak. But there's a number of different technologies that you can almost look to understand. I think one of the big things is cloud computing. Um, the reason that's so important is because it frees you up from the traditional um, funding model. You don't have to worry about funding lots of infrastructure. Um, instead, you can you can go to public cloud. Um, and you can simply, you know, uh, lease almost those services, you know, per user per month 
um, or it might be infrastructure where you're paying for CPU hours. Um, so I think that's the, the almost the base platform. And on top of that, you need to build competencies in cybersecurity. You need to build competencies in how to um, take and understand data. So that big data problem. Um, AI sort of maps into that too. Um, but it, what's important as well, not just the technology, but the cultural change. So the great thing about adopting cloud is the new business paradigm, the new business model. But if your resources um, don't understand that they need to work differently, they need to use high levels of automation, they're not going to get the full benefits of the cloud and that's not going to be passed on to the business. So very much technology is one pillar, but the cultural change is just as important, probably more important um, to accompany those things. And it's only companies that adopt things like uh, agile software development and things like the scaled agile framework along with cloud, um, along with some sort of DevOps cultural change, along with cybersecurity best practice and big data, for example, are the ones that are starting to realize those those big benefits. You know, Tesla and SpaceX are the ones I, I love to talk about as companies that have really, truly embraced cloud and they've truly embraced that agile software development and apply those agile techniques to everything they do. It's cool. But do you think everyone else is willing to adopt cloud nowadays? Do you think there's enough awareness about it? Yeah, certainly most of my clients I deal with on a training basis are medium to large organizations. So typically a thousand uh, users above. Um, and all the clients I'm dealing with are all using cloud to some extent. Um, even governments now are starting to um, move away from what we might call private on-premise clouds to, to considering public cloud for their workloads. Um, they're starting to realize there's huge commercial and um, safety opportunities in moving to public cloud. You know, time to market is one of those, for example. Um, so, yeah, all, all the clients that I work with, not a single one of them isn't adopting cloud. But what I do see is different stages of maturity. So some clients um, are just on the verge of adopting Office 365, very, very late to the party. But there are some clients that are doing that. I know it's unbelievable. All the way through to um, a client like Commonwealth Bank, who are very advanced in um, the technology and cloud space, you know, who have been doing this for many, many, many years. Um, so it, it's very, I'm very fortunate to be in that position to see that range of um, experience and to hear those stories from the different clients, which helps me um, position, I guess, the material for, for my students. It's fantastic. What do you think makes them hesitant to adopt it? Um, oh, good question. I often think it's fear of the unknown. Um, so one of the challenges you have, particularly in the infrastructure space, is a lot of companies already have a um, an operations team and, and, and a development team. And they're used to working in a certain way with non-cloud, maybe client server technology on premise. Um, and so the challenge for them is being able to shift their skills to the new paradigm. And that's very confronting for them. Um, so that whole cultural change piece is just so, so important. And I think for me, the, the challenge with adopting cloud is, is culture. You've got to um, have leaders um, leading the change, leading by example, understanding themselves what cloud is and how to use that. Um, the same with AI, the same with any sort of technology. They have to be able to walk the walk. And when when uh, leaders start to do that, then the, uh, the, the, the employees tend to, to, to follow and tend to look up to those role models. So I think that's very important. That's one of the big differentiators uh, for accelerating any sort of technology is really, really strong leadership and that cultural change. What trends do you see out there with regards to the way businesses employ data privacy protection? 
Yeah, so particularly on my um, um, certified cloud uh, security professional courses, I have a range of different uh, cybersecurity professionals that come and become certified um, in that course. Uh, and what often the challenge that we see is often cloud, again, computing presents these types of challenges, is, is what data do I have and where does it live? The biggest challenge with cloud is because it's so easy to provision a piece of cloud with a credit card. It means many businesses and many parts of the business are doing, if you like, their own thing outside of IT, almost that like that shadow IT type mentality, um, which is perfectly understandable. They, they want to do business. They want to use the latest technologies. And they often feel that the IT teams are constraining what they want to do. And so they're going it alone in cloud. Um, and unfortunately, because there's no centralized governance around that data, around the security side of things, the IT cybersecurity professionals don't know what they don't know. And so one of the challenges, and I always uh, emphasize in my courses, um, is that IT and businesses need to work together more closely. They need to have constant conversations. Um, we shouldn't allow gatekeepers. You know, that, mean, that means certain people in IT talking to the business. We should allow everybody in IT to talk to everybody in the business and all work together um, to really understand those data privacy challenges. So where does the data live? Um, what do I use the data for? And more importantly, how do we secure that data? So a very simple best practice um, is that when we use the cloud, we should always encrypt data. Um, and when we're using uh, sensitive data, uh, we should consider other controls if, if required. So understanding that, for example, we might want high level of, of encryption technologies. And also in sensitive data, we probably want, well, the best practice here is to always um, use um, some sort of key vaulting or key management system um, that only the client has access to. So the cloud provider cannot get access to the keys, the encryption keys, and therefore they can't get access to the data. That's an important best practice, especially with sensitive data. So I think everyone in the organization needs to understand this. It's not just the ID department. Uh, absolutely right. Um, you know, I run a range of courses Probably 80% of the people that I run courses for are IT and technology people. Um, but I run a really cool course called the Cloud Computing Foundation. We run that, for example, uh, PwC has been one of our biggest clients in that space. Um, I would call you know, the, the audience generally non-technical. So we have to outline, you're right, all these different um, considerations to non-technical people and understanding where data lives, understanding who owns that data, and understanding how to secure that data doesn't need to be IT's problem necessarily, um, but business do need to be aware of how they're using that data and how they might secure that data. Because if there's a data breach, um, the, the, all the aspects of the business are going to be um, involved in that, particularly the data owners, it's very important, particularly if we're looking at, on the general data protection regulation, GDPR type of legislation we see in the EU, a data breach in that area um, is very, very serious, and companies need to notify um, the relevant authorities in the EU within those 72 hours, which is a real challenge if you have a if you have thousands or, or more or, or clients in that region. Paul, do you have any more thoughts that you'd like to share with our viewers? I do. Um, I think um, so. Just going back to COVID nineteen, I, I think um, we need to. Um, think about how we interact with people, how we use the phone, how we use video conferencing. And when COVID-19 goes away, we want to think about what worked really well in this situation and, to, if, if you like, build on those things going forward. 
Um, the other important thing is, is we will get through this, guys. So I don't, I don't be able to worry about the current situation. It may be a three, six-month journey, but we will see light at the end of the tunnel. But think of all the great things that are coming out of you know this this disaster at the moment. Think of the way that which we're working is changing, the way we're thinking is changing. And so I think the positive message for the future is to continue to build on those things and continue to build value for clients. So um, I hope your hope your viewers like that takeaway message. It's really interesting, Paul. Thank you so much for doing this for us. Absolute pleasure. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. And I, I encourage all your viewers to check out my website, digitalcolma.com. There's my shameless plug. But thank you again. Sure. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Angarty Engage series. We'll be launching more interviews with experts across the globe. Until then, stay tuned.